Can I lose my salvation? Where was God during the Holocaust? What is my purpose? Hey, good morning. Okay, so you guys know this by now, uh, but Easter's coming. It's just around the corner. And you and I, I hopefully are going to do something really fun, intriguing together that hopefully at the end of the day uh, kind of shakes up our community and maybe even changes the lives of like 2,500 kids in India. So let me kind of explain what we're trying to do. And you get it. We're using the egg. And the egg is going to become, just for the next five, six weeks as we get ready to go into Easter, as meeting the very basic needs of a human being. Here's, here's where this comes from. Uh, when we were in India uh, just a little while back, one of the things we did, and just amazing trip, but one of the things we did was we went into one of the poorest of the poor of the poor communities. And guys, I'm just telling you, whatever your vision of poor is, you haven't figured out India yet. It's... It's amazing. And, and, and we went into this incredibly just destitute, poor community. And what Harvest India, one of the people that we're aligned with, does is they go into the community once a week and they give out food. And in the midst of giving out food, they give out the story of Jesus at the same time. But here's what they give. They give uh, uh, a little packet of something to drink. They give what you and I would call a dinner roll. And they give an egg now, the reason they give an egg is simply this, is that within the diet of the poorest of the poor of the poor, there's not enough protein. And one of the least expensive, most powerful ways that you can give protein is a hard-boiled egg, okay? You and I would think, wow, big deal. But when we got there, uh, they were expecting, I think, about 200 uh, people, 300 people at this community, all sitting, waiting in line, waiting with anticipation to get their egg, okay? Problem is, we only had 200 eggs. So as we began to go out and do the distribution, as we began to walk back the line, we ran out of eggs. And you should have seen the panic uh, on people's face that they weren't, and they were running up saying, I'll take the broken one. Give me the one that fell on the ground. I don't care. Give me the egg. So uh, we want to take the egg and kind of rewrite this. And we know it's all Easter in color, but we're going to rewrite and just say, this is going to become symbolic for us, just for us in the room, of meeting the most basic needs of human beings. So here's uh, what we're going to do. On Easter Sunday, uh, we're going to give the opportunity for everybody who comes, for all of us, for all of our friends, for all of our visitors to come in the room on that Sunday uh, to help a destitute child in India for $15. You ready for this? For $15, you and I can do a whole lot more than an egg. For $15, you and I can put shoes on feet that don't have shoes. We can put a full set of clothing full set of clothing, and yes, we can buy a meal that includes an egg, 15 bucks. And we're just going to give you that opportunity. We're going to give all your friends that opportunity, everybody that opportunity. We're going to reach out. We're going to help change the lives of 25, our goal is 2,500 children on the other side of the world. Now, here's the really, really cool thing about it. We said the egg is all about meeting the basic needs, but guys, let's, here's the answer. The most basic need of a human being is more than an egg. 
and it's more than sandals and it's more than clothing. The most basic need of an individual is to have a relationship with God. So in the midst of this, in the midst of us go out and do this, hopefully hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of our friends are going to come here on Easter service. They're going to hear the story of Jesus. And the really, really cool thing is that because of who Harvest India is, as they hand out eggs in our name, okay, and then in the name of Jesus, they're going to tell the story of Jesus as they hand out the clothing, the sandals, and the eggs. So you and I literally have the chance to change people's lives uh, by doing this together. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, that's happening Easter Sunday. Now, between now and Easter Sunday, here's the big deal. We need your help. This doesn't work very well if there aren't a whole bunch of us in the room uh, doing this together. We won't get anywhere near 2,500. We, it won't happen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you to egg the city. Some of you, how many of you driving down the 202 have seen the egg the city billboard? Okay, so it's out there, it's starting to see. When you drive down the 202 as you're heading back into town, you look up there, egg the city, that's us. Egg your city. And we're going to ask Cornerstone to egg Chandler, Gilbert, Mesa, Awatuki, just this whole area, we want to egg them. And here's the deal, it's, it's fun egging, we're not, it's not real eggs. <laughs> How many are disappointed? You're going, Ooh, I thought this was going to be really fun. Yeah. Not real eggs, it's going to be eggs like this, and we've got internet eggs, and we've got sticky, we, uh, you, you'll get, you'll get it. We, but here's what I do, and, and what we're really going to do for the next five weeks, starting next week, you'll get your first assignment, we're going to pay the world's biggest game a tag, okay, tag your it, and, and here's the deal, most of the assignments mo are completely anonymous, in other words, we want someone to walk up to their desk and find an egg and go, what, you know, and then they come back maybe a week later, and you've egged them again with an, another, and they're going, who's egging me? Okay? And we want them. We want them to do well, who's it because every single time they open up an egg, every time we put a sticker on, every time we do this, first off, the cool part is you're going to be blessing your friend because they get to sign up for a giveaway, and we're actually going to be giving away a couple iPads. So they're actually going to be blessed. They're going to go, hey, you're totally cool. You know, I get to sign up for it. But the other part, it's going to drive them to our website that we've got set up for Egg Your City, and it's going to explain the story of helping kids in India coming here on Easter Sunday, being part of something that's bigger than us, meeting the basic needs, okay? So it, it's, it's going to be fun, but here's the, you, you don't want your neighbor to know us, but you want them just going, what? And, and so you leave an egg in their lawn, or you'll get the assignment starting next week, okay? And we want all of Chandler, all of Mesa, all of Gilbert, all of Abatuki going, what in the hay is going on? There's someone's egg in the city. And you go, yeah. Okay, and then we'll let them figure out at the end that it's Cornerstone. Okay, so we're going to have a lot of fun. Want you to be part of it next Sunday. Next Sunday, first assignment. Totally easy. Your kids are going to be aching kids. It's going to be fun. Okay, and we, next Sunday, first assignment, we're going to do it. Okay, all right. Uh, we are uh, finishing up. There you go. All right, we're finishing up our sermon series uh, called You Asked. And uh, this Sunday, we're going to just simply tackle the, this question. Uh, that you asked, uh, how can you prove that God exists? Now, here's the deal. If you're visiting uh, with us today, uh, this is not a normal Sunday. And if, if we just, like, bore you to death, uh, it's their fault, okay? They asked the question. Um, uh, I'm going to do my very best to tackle this in a way that we all get excited and, and enjoy it together. But it's not typical Sunday. Come back next Sunday. It'll be, well, it won't be normal. This is cornerstone. So, but it'll be, it'll be different than today. So here's the question, how do, how do I prove uh, to someone that God exists? And here's the easy answer, you can't. See you next week. 
You can't. You can't. You can't. Because here's the deal. The only way I could prove, prove, prove that God exists, I'd go, okay, God, kind of appear on stage. We want to interview you for a few minutes, kind of a modified friend day. You know? I mean, and even then, someone would go, it wasn't really God, was it? It wasn't. You know? But what you and I can do is build a really, 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 really powerful circumstantial case that leaves nothing left but the conclusion that there's got to there's be a God. There just has to be. And look, here's the reality. You realize the vast majority of cases that get decided within our criminal system are all built on circumstantial evidence. Because the only way you would not have it is if someone had a picture and says, see, they're holding the gun, the bullet is coming out, hitting the... That's, I mean, that's the only way you'd have a, you know, or an eyewitness who was there. And so, every other case, every other case that we decide guilt or innocence on is circumstantial. So in other words, what happens in a court of law is they go, look, 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 you say you weren't even there. You, you say you didn't even know the victim. But then, then explain to me how come there's cut marks in the window at the point of entry and your fingerprints are all over their windowsill and we found the knife on the inside and your fingerprints were on it. And then we got into the living room and, and there were two glasses of wine sitting there. One of them had poison in it and your fingerprints were on both. And then, uh, just in case the poison didn't work, the gun that you shot the victim with was laying right next to the body, and guess what? Your fingerprints were on that. I think we've got a pretty good circumstantial case that you did it. And that's how the vast majority of our cases get decided. So you and I are going to walk through the evidence and say, what's the most reasonable conclusion about whether or not there is a God uh, involved in this universe? Um, so here's the deal. You get that there's two parts to the conversation. One part says, yeah, I believe there's evidence for God, G, okay? And, and one side says, no, 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 no God, everything we see, everything we experience is with the absence of God, atheist, A, okay? And, and, and here's the deal. The, the more evidence we get, the, the, the further I can, we, can, we can move this with evidence then you realize at some point we're going to stop. some point we're going to go, that, that's the extent of the evidence. So everything else, whether I'm going to decide there is a God or decide there's not a God, is going to be faith. Because the reality is both hypotheses, the hypothesis that there is a God and the one that there isn't, both require faith. But the further I can get you in evidence, then the less faith requires. Does that make sense? Nod your head just to make me happy. Okay. Okay. All right. So here's the deal, and here's what I think is really interesting about this topic. Very often, people who don't believe in God challenge those who do by saying, well, prove it. Prove it. Prove that there's a God. Let's turn that around for a second. If you don't believe there's a God, in other words, you say, boy, all this God here with no help, it's, there is... What evidence, even circumstantial, do you have that there is no God? So let's help the atheist this morning. Let's, let's see how far evidentially that we can get this to go. So if you're talking to someone who says, I, I just don't believe there's a God, what, what are some of the arguments that they potentially would give? Anybody got any 
arguments. Huh? Why do people die? Okay. Well, people dying wouldn't prove or disprove God. All that proves is that if you were God, you wouldn't have people die. But apparently, if there isn't, you know, it doesn't prove there's not a God just because people die. Suffering. Why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Why do bad things happen to good people? And again, if you stop and think about it, you haven't proved there's not a God. All you've established is, is that if you were God, you would do it differently. But there's nothing about evil and there is nothing about bad people that proves in any way that there's not a God. It proves only that God is different than how you would have done it. Come on, you got to help me. We got we got to get some evidence over here. Never seen him. Anybody here ever seen an Adam? See, the reality is just because I've never seen gravity, just because I haven't seen him doesn't in any way prove that he does not exist. Come on, guys, we're hurting here. Huh? Disasters. I mean, I also, I mean, can there be a God and there be disasters? Well, yeah. I mean, again, all you're proving is if you were God, you wouldn't let disasters happen. But what if there is God who lets disasters happen? You haven't proved there's not a God. Dinosaurs. I, I, I think you're right because the last time I talked to a dinosaur, you said, no God. Yeah. Oh, the carbon dating of the earth says it's older. And guys, probably the strongest theory which excludes a God is the theory of evolution. But you realize, even if, guys, 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 even if you prove the theory of evolution tomorrow, which you won't, but even if you prove it tomorrow, it doesn't exclude a God. Because what if God simply started everything in motion? What if God used evolution in his creative act? then all you've proved is, is that Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 are not accurate. You haven't proved anything about there not being a God. And guys, here, here's the thing I think is really, really interesting within the midst of this conversation. You and I who are theists, you and I who believe in God, always assume the responsibility for the conversation. And yet, I'm just going to suggest to you, I, I don't think you've even, I, I think you're hard-pressed to come up with even one bit of circumstantial evidence that says God doesn't exist. So let's, let's, let's go the other direction. Let's just come up with it and say, okay, what, what, what do we have, what, what is out there that makes it only reasonable to conclude in the existence of God? Okay, let's, let's see how far we can move the God cone in the conversation today. Okay, so no, no, we're... I'm preaching the sermon. <laughs> did, I, did I ask you for help on that? All right. All right. So here's what I do need. I do need some help. I need, I need a fairly young person in the room. I'm thinking like six, seven, eight years old, nine. Anyone like that? That will volunteer to help with only minor amounts of humility. All right. Right there. All right. Come on. How old are you, dude? Huh? 
You're 12, you had to ask your parents, how old am I? 12, you may not be able to do this, dude. I, I think you better go back and sit. No, come on. All right, come on. All right, 12 years old. So actually, the truth is I, you're getting an advantage here because I, uh, uh, I was really hoping for like a seven-year-old. Okay, so sit right here. Here you go. Okay. So you're going to be God. All right. God, the 12-year-old. And here's what we're going to do. Um, I have got a child's puzzle. Okay? 24 pieces. And I need you to put that together for me. Okay, 24 pieces. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Grabby little guy, aren't you? All right, so here's the deal. I need somebody, I need somebody who's older, okay, uh, who, more mature, uh, who would say, look, I, I don't know if I can beat a 12-year-old, but I think I could give a 12-year-old a run. I, I think I could do that. <laughs> you, you guys have all seen the show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, haven't you? You're like, I know that. I forgot everything I knew. Okay, some, just some. Come on. I think. All right, come on. Here you go. Come on. All right, there we go. Okay, so actually, if you go right over there, there's like some steps. Okay? How old are you? No, I won't ask that. All right. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, you're going to be our non-God version of existence. Okay? And uh, go ahead and sit down, and uh, we're going to have you uh, build a puzzle. And really, we're going to let you do this kind of in the evolutionary model, because uh, that's probably the most profound or most accepted version of a non-God universe, okay? So when I say go in just a minute, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, I forgot about this. Okay, there's the puzzle you're building, okay? You see that? Okay, 24 pieces. Um, Oh, that's right, I can't give this to you because there is no God. There is no plan. It's just going to happen, okay? All right, so uh, there we go. And uh, all right, so when I say go, you're going to start putting this together. When I say go, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to take the box, okay? And if it doesn't make a puzzle, then you've got to put them back in. Because, see, you can't use your brain to do this, okay? It's not allowed because then that would mean there was a God involved, okay? So, uh, here we go. You're going to build your puzzle randomly, okay? All right? And, and, and you're going to, weak little 12 year old, you're going to build your puzzle with the picture, okay? All right. So when I say go, you guys will do that, okay? Now, here's the deal. If you build the puzzle, I mean, if all 24 pieces come together, then you're going to pump your fist in the air and go, yeah! Okay? All right? And then you'll take your puzzle apart and start again. We want to see how many times you can make the puzzle in the next few minutes. Okay? All right, ready? Go. Okay. Oh, you lost. Here. All right, so... You get that Scripture actually says this conversation that you and I are having is an obvious conversation, that you and I ought to be able to come to uh, the right conclusion about this. So grab your Bibles real quick with me and uh, go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, uh, you're going to get to Romans. Okay. Romans chapter 1. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 18 simply says this about whether or not you and I ought to be able to figure out that there's got to be a God somewhere involved in this story. Here's what it says. Romans 1, verse 18 says, the wrath of God, the absolute frustration, the absolute anger, I, exasperation of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. So in other words, here's the deal. The truth was there, and they chose in that moment to push it away. you got to keep going. You're not giving yourself a fair chance. Keep going. All right. So, um, that, that, that look, the only way you come to the different conclusion, Scripture says, is if you hold the truth down, if you just say, look, I refuse to look at the evidence, I'm going to suppress the truth about this topic. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19, since what may be known about God is plain. It's, this is, this, there's some stuff that ought to be obvious about God's existence. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men and women are without excuse. In, Okay, keep, so keep going. All right. You, you, more enthusiasm. You're losing heart. All right. Okay, so here's, here's what it says. Here's, get this. It says, look, look, look. There's some things about God that just on a cursory look, if you and I were being honest in the conversation, you and I should know about God. His invisible quality. So here, let me give you a couple things that I just think you, you and I should get about God, even, just, just by being honest to the conversation. You realize you and I live on a tiny speck of a planet. Now, in our world, when we go, this is vast, man, this is a huge, but you realize that you and I are part of a mediocre-sized galaxy. I'm sorry, solar system. In the midst of a medium-sized galaxy, inside of a universe that is unbelievably vast, how much intellect does it take to say, look, I, I don't know, I don't know. I just know I didn't make anything this big. I, I know that no one that I know could have put together something. That, so here, here's what I know. I know that whoever this God is, he's bigger than me. And he's bigger than my friends. Because the truth is, guys, we've made it, what, to Mars with a probe. He's bigger than us. Second thing that you and I just ought to know, just on, a, just on a cursory investigation, a cursory look, not only is God bigger, he's stronger. Strongest guy in the world right now, probably Barack Obama, right? I mean, leader of the most powerful nation, got the most amount of wealth, the most amount of resources. That is, all right, so, so say this to Barack Obama. Build me a planet. Just one. I mean, that's small. In, in the midst of all... One planet. Build me one planet, Barack Obama. Oh, and by the way, you've got to come up with the resources yourself. Oh, okay, okay. Build me one continent. Now, you can't shift anything. You can't borrow. Build me one continent out of scratch. Build me one human. Just build me, out of the billions and billions and billions of humans who've ever lived, build me one human, Barack Obama. Most powerful man in all of the world. 
build me one human. And here's what you and I know with just, guys, just a cursory, whoever this is, is. <laughs> now you're just showing off, dude. All right, so keep going. And here, here's what you and I, you know that whoever this is is stronger than us. Okay, last thing. Not only is he bigger, not only is he stronger, whoever this is, is smarter than us. You guys get that with all of our work, as much as Apple's been uh, doing, that, you realize we have yet to come up with a computer that comes anywhere near the capacity and the intellect of the human brain. Anywhere near. And guys, we've had a long run at trying to do it. And we are way far away. And that's why Scripture just says, look, come on, guys, guys, guys. Let's, look, just a, just a cursory investment, just a cursory stop, and let's be honest. Let's just look at the facts. There's got to be someone who's bigger than us, stronger than us, smarter than us. If you just pause long enough to ponder. And yet, get this, guys, get this. You and I are left in the circumstances to believe, okay, that there is no God. We've been asked to, that, ready for this? That the most intelligent way to form a world, to form a universe, to make human beings is to have random chance versus intellect versus design. If I asked you today to say, stake your life on the best way to build puzzles. How many of you go, man, I'm, I'm putting my life on this side? Okay. <laughs> and, and, and if I ask you to stake your life on building puzzles or building universes on someone bigger, stronger, or smarter than the puzzle, how many of you staking your life on that? And, and guys, this is easy. And, and you want to know what? Guys, let's just be honest. We've actually been unfair in our illustration. Because if, if this is a godless plan, then you need to go away. Go. We're sick and tired of you. Go. She didn't do anything. And guys, guys, get this moment, get this moment. You and I are asked to believe that a God-absent universe is the more intelligent idea of how to get everything that we've got. And the truth is, you ready for this? That if you and I leave these pieces laying here long enough, it'll make a puzzle. <laughs> and that's why Scripture says, come on. Are you kidding me? All of this, all that we know, all that exists, no God. And I'm going to argue we just moved the cone a little. We just pushed the conversation. All right, God, thank you very much. You can go. You were amazing. Thank you. You're the man. All right.
Okay, so here's what, here's what I'm going to do in the next couple of minutes. I, I'm just going to give you three arguments, three arguments that there's, that there's got to be a God. So this is where you're going to go to sleep, okay? And here's what I encourage you. In the midst of this, in the midst of this conversation, because it's philosophical, and if you can just grab one, if just one of the three we're going to do real quickly together makes sense for you, it ends up being a great part of the conversation because you end up with what I call a spiritual grenade. It's not going to prove to your friend that God exists, but it might help move them a little because what you get to do is in the midst of a conversation, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. If God's not there, if there is no God, how would you answer this? And they'll go, whoa, 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 and you go, no, 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 no. Just want you to think. And if you could even grab just one of the three things we're going to talk about next few moments, it's a, spirit, it's a great part of the conversation. Okay, so here we go. Three things uh, you could potentially do. And here's what I'm going to suggest, that as you and I do this, what we're looking for is the fingerprints of God. What we're looking for is that, that evidence that says, he must have been here. This does, if his fingerprints are all over it, it doesn't make any sense that he wasn't here. Fingerprints of God. Okay, first one. We kind of started there. We kind of went, intelligent design. He just says, look, 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 you can't tell me that what I see got there without intelligence, without somebody designing and putting it together, being involved. It makes no sense. So stop and think about this. You and I are asked to, be, to believe. We've been told that the more intelligent view is that there is no intelligence, that there's no one designing, there's no one bringing order, there's no one planning anything because God doesn't exist. Think about this. I take you out to a desert, and I say to you, uh, no one, no one has ever been to this desert before. They haven't. This is, this is uncharted territory. It's virgin territory. No human has ever been to this desert before. No plane has flown over. No car has driven through. No one. You are the first human being to ever be in this desert. Go. And as you begin to walk across the desert, you notice up in the distance there's something shiny. There's something flashing, and you think that's curious in the desert. And so you walk over, and you bend down, and you pick up a watch. And upon seeing the watch, you immediately turn to me and say, Lynn, wait a minute, you're mistaken. You said no one had ever been here before. This was, this was completely new territory. No human had ever been here. There's a watch. And I go, oh, no, no. It evolved. <laughs> See, here's, here's what you don't get. See, because you're not a good thinker. Wind blew. The sun got hot. Melted some of the minerals in the sand. And perfect gears, perfect, just formed. And if you were to look long enough, you'd find a whole bunch of sort of formed gears laying around. But that just so happened you found the one watch that was complete. And you go, well, it's... It's got a crystal on top to keep the sand out. You go, no, 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 no. See, you think that's design. You think that's, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. See, if you would just use your brain. Just so happened, the sun got hot. The sand melted in exactly the right configuration and formed the crystal. Yes, even with a little magnifying feature right there. Yeah. No design there. That's chance. You go, Lynn, Lynn, it's got numbers on it. 
see, see, please, please, just use your brain for a second. They look like numbers, but really that's, that's a dead rat. See, a rat came and laid down and happened to die there, and its little fur fell off and just kind of in the right place, and it looks like numbers. Come on. And you say, Lynn, in the wristband has got a signature, Pete Wilson. I go, see, see, given enough time, given enough random chance. Hey, guys, you get the DNA. DNA is a thousand times more complex than you're in my simple 26-character alphabet. You, you get the design that is everywhere present in the world is the signature of God. I am here. Fingerprint. Fingerprint. Second argument. It's called first cause. First cause. For those of you who want the big word, is cosmological argument. Just first cause. So what, what caused the first thing? That's, what caused the first thing? And if, and if you and I talk about evolution, then everybody goes back to the Big Bang. Remember the Big Bang? Just, you know, all of a sudden there was like all this gas floating in the universe. And, and for some inexplicable reason, it all began to condense and contract and get so heavy upon itself that, that it could no longer be stable. And then it burst. And every bit of matter, every bit of mineral, every bit of everything of substance came because that gas contracted and then exploded. Okay, guys, let's just, you and I live on a teeny, 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 teeny little planet with a mediocre, medium-sized sun inside of a medium-sized galaxy in the universe. How much gas? How big was that Taco Bell visit? <laughs> How much gas? are we talking about? I mean, we're talking gas! Gas! Think about this. So much gas that it condenses all the solids we have in this gas. So let me ask you a question. Okay, 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 all right, all right. Who made the gas? <laughs> if there's that much gas floating around, who made the gas? And when you begin to talk to people who have a godless view of the universe, you know what the answer is? We don't know. We don't know. We don't, we don't know. And think about this, guys. Absolute violation of any sort of scientific method because we know that for every action, an equal and opposite, for every cause, there is a first cause. And suddenly we get to this moment and all of a sudden we have no explanation for first cause. And you and I who are theists, you and I who believe in a God are being told, and you're absolutely unintellectual to believe that there's a first cause. That there is a being who lives outside of the rules, who lives outside of time, who lives outside of gravity, and has forever been existent, who caused it's more intellectual. It's more intellectual to believe. I don't know. And my question is simply this. If there is no God, explain to me, explain to me, 
a first cause. Because a God, you ready? A God answers first cause. And his fingerprints are there. Are the atheists fell over? Okay. We're not, we're not trying to be that mean. Okay. All right. Last one. Last of three. Ready? Conscience. Guys, this one takes a little thinking, but guys, if you think about it, I think this just has such power in this. Conscience. Let me ask you, where do you and I get a conscience from? No, no, I mean, I'm just say to look, if there is no God, if there is no moral keeper, if you and I are simply the product of evolution, and guys, think about this, as the universe has been explained to us in a godless existence, we keep referring back and saying, oh, you know, the reason men want to mess around and don't want to be monogamous, because monkeys mess around and they're not monogamous, it's in our DNA, and it just came, you know, that. our answer is, all of this is inherited from our animal ancestors. So let me ask you this question. If you and I are the products of evolution and all of this that we've got is inherited from our animal ancestors, then it's this, conscience. Help me with conscience. The part of me, the part of you that says, man, that was wrong. Why did I do that? And, and why is it so universal and why, why do we look at someone and say, Dude, you know better than that. Because we believe there is a moral code. Look, animals. Animals have no moral code. Lion, Sunday morning, gets up, goes out on the Serengeti. He is looking for the most luscious little baby gazelle he can find. He doesn't care how that's going to make the mommy gazelle feel. He doesn't care that that baby gazelle had a whole bunch of opportunity and potential in its life. He's thinking breakfast. And when that lion takes the gazelle down and eats the gazelle, and as he's chomping away, let me tell you what the lion never says. Why did I do that? I could have eaten, you know, like grass or something. You know, why, why, what makes me do that? Lion never asks. Humans do. Humans do. Matter of fact, Scripture even explains it when it says in Scripture, and God said, let us make man in our own image. Not that we look like God, that we have a moral code. Which is why you and I get down, we go, man, I, why did I lie? Why was I so mean to her? Not too long ago, I had a friend, and I was talking to my friend on the phone, and I just asked him real honestly. I just said, look, did you do this? And my friend said, no, absolutely not. I didn't do that. No, no, no. Everybody else did. I didn't do it. I said, okay. Hour later, hour later, my friend called me up on the phone. He said, uh, I need to talk to you. I lied. Everybody else was doing it. I did it too. And I lied. And, and I just don't want that to be who I am, and I just don't want that to be between us. 
and I had to call you. I had to put it out there. I lied. Hour later, couldn't live with it. You know what that lion's doing an hour after killing the gazelle? Moral code. And, and you're just going to ask, if there is no God, explain to me conscience. Explain to me moral code in this incredible thing called humans. Three things, maybe one landed. Here's the deal, real quick. You will never convince. See, I, I, can, I can argue that we've, we've taken and moved it over and said, look, look, here, here's circumstantial evidence that gets us mostly there, but the rest of this is faith. I, I, I don't have the picture. I don't, I, I don't have the eyewitness. I can argue. It takes a lot less faith than this. truth is, you, you'll never rationalize your friends into believing. You just won't. And you know what the truth is? The most powerful argument for the existence of God? You. You. If you're a Christ follower. And the unspeakable thing that happened when you gave your life to Christ and the way you were changed. It's unexplainable. Because isn't this the truth? Every last one of us in this room who knows Jesus as Savior knows who we are without God. And it's different, isn't it? And truth be told, your friends have got a kind of an idea of who you are without God. And if God is not there, then explain the change. Matter of fact, go with me really quickly in your Bibles because we're just about out of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Actually, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. <laughs> Chapter 5, verse 17, just simply says this. You ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And guys, I'm just going to say to you, the most powerful evidence that God exists is you. And it's your testimony. It's you being able to say, look, I, I can't. I can't put it on a piece of paper. I can't talk. I can only get you so far with circumstantial evidence, but I know, I know because of what I've experienced. There's this amazing uh, clip in a movie called Contact. Any guys ever seen Contact? Okay, a couple of you people. Jodie Foster movie, it, it's kind of a weird movie, so let me give you the premise, I'm gonna show you a little real quick clip. Here's the premise, uh, Jodie Foster is a scientist, and she's looking for intelligent life somewhere out there in the universe, and, and one day they, they get this message sent, and so they immediately say, oh my, oh my goodness, Message must be intelligent life. Message, oh my, anyways. All right, so here comes the message. And, uh, and this message says, build this big reactor thing. Build this time machine thing, wing. It spins and balls drop, and, and, and so they build it. The, the, everybody on earth gets together, and they build this thing, and Jodie Foster gets inside, and they drop the ball, and, and it like lasts for a second. But Jodie Foster, who was on the inside, it lasted like 18 hours. And while she's there, she goes and like meets, she meets, I don't know if it's angels or whatever, she meets something. And she comes back, and everybody back here is going, 
It didn't work. You'd like drop for a second, and she goes, no, no, I was gone 18 hours, and I met these angel things, whatever. And, and, and so now there's this big investigation. There's this big congressional thing about you wasted all our money, and, and, and how dare you do this for a hoax. And, and, and they're, in, they're, they're inquiring to Jody Foster, saying, look, just admit it. Just admit that you just, you, you just did this as a, as, a, as, a, as a farce. Here's their conversation. Okay, ready? Here we go. You come to us with no evidence, no record, no artifacts, only a story that, to put it mildly, strains credibility. Over half a trillion dollars were spent. Dozens of lives were lost. Are you really going to sit there and tell us we should just take this all on faith? Please answer the question, Doctor. Is it possible that it didn't happen? Yes. As a scientist, I must concede that. I must volunteer that. Wait a minute. Let me get this straight. You admit that you have absolutely no physical evidence to back up your story. Yes. You admit that you very well may have hallucinated this whole thing. Yes. You admit that if you were in our position, you would respond with exactly the same degree of incredulity and skepticism. Yes. Then why don't you simply withdraw your testimony and concede that this journey to the center of the galaxy, in fact, never took place? Because I can't. had an experience. I can't prove it, I can't even explain it, but everything that I know as a human being, everything that I am tells me that it was real. I was given something wonderful, something that changed me forever, a vision of the universe that tells us undeniably how tiny and insignificant and how rare and precious we all are. A vision that tells us that we belong to something that is greater than ourselves, that we are not, that none of us are alone. I wish I could share that. I wish that everyone, if even for one moment, feel that awe and humility and the hope, but <laughs> that continues to be my wish. The truth is, the most powerful evidence for God is what he's done with you, which is why you and I have to live for him well. We have to serve him without apology because you are the greatest evidence that there's something bigger, stronger, smarter than us out there. Let's bow our heads. Hey, I just want to, with our heads bowed and no one looking around, I just want to say to someone in this room maybe who is incredulous, someone who would say, I, I, I just am not there yet. 
Let, let me just ask you to ponder this. Do you really believe in the absence of God or believe that God's not there because there's so much evidence or because God is inconvenient for you? And if that's the case, can, can you really afford to go on ignoring, ignoring, ignoring the fingerprints of God? Because come on. kind of obvious, isn't it, that there's someone bigger, stronger, smarter than us out there. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come to this moment. I pray for people in this room who already believe that you're there, that maybe today armed us a little better for the conversation, that we'd take a piece away. But God, at the end of the day, our best conversation changed life. I can't explain it. I can't tell you how God did it. I can just tell you I am different because I have met Him and He has met with me. God, for those that would maybe be in this room and say, look, I, I'm just here because someone made me come today and I was invited. I, 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 just, I, I just can't get my head around the idea that God is there. That we'd be honest today and say, did, did I get there because of the evidence? Or did I get there because God would be inconvenient? I just want to be honest. And maybe today you move somebody a little closer to you, a little more willing to have the conversation. And I just ask that you'd reveal yourself to them, that they would know that you are there and that you are chasing and that you love them and that you will not let them go until they bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name.